0: Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about animation, TV, movies, comics, and more. While we're getting our new episodes prepared, here's an episode back around for another listen. This week we've got our spotlight on Scott Pilgrim vs. the World that we did to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the film. It's a movie we love, with a soundtrack we love, based on a graphic novel series that is loved by the ones of us here who have read it. There's also a video game, which is very fun, and fortunately, actually got a re-release after the recording of this episode where we had lamented its unavailability at the time. So enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening.
1: Okay, today we shine the spotlight on Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, actually, as the movie is titled, which was released 10 years ago this week. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Mellon. I'm Tommy Smithereens. I'm Clifton. Okay. Scott Pilger vs. the world was directed by Edgar Wright based on source material created by Brian Lee O'Malley and published by Oni press. The movie stars Michael Cera as a lovable slacker that beats the girl of his dreams. And in order to win her over, he must battle and defeat her seven evil exes. Mary Elizabeth Winstead co-stars as his dream girl, Ramona flowers. Eagle eyed fans will also catch a few other notable appearances in the cast from actors who have portrayed other superheroes on film and TV. Despite the film's pedigree, this movie was not a monster hit, actually. Scott Pilgrim grossed $48.1 million off of an $85 million budget. But in spite of its disappointing performance at the box office, this film has gained cult movie status as more and more people discovered over the years. So let's get into it. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World.
0: All right, we timed this episode to to coincide with the movie's 10th anniversary. It also happens to closely coincide with the 10th anniversary of the conclusion of the graphic novel series. Volume 6 came out in, I think it was July, about a month earlier than the movie of 10 years ago. And so we're going to be focusing on the movie, but we will you know bring up the comic and the graphic novel and the original source material here and there as as a cross-reference to the other stuff we're talking about. Just to go into a little bit of the origin, the comic book series or the graphic novel series started, was first published in 2004, the first volume being Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. Uh, story and art by Brian Lee O'Malley, based uh, loosely on on people he knew and in life situation of his at the time. And it was by the second volume of the series was when it got option to become a movie. So he finished the rest of the series while the movie was finishing production concurrently, which is a an interesting thing to compare where the similarities are because early on in the movie, it's like panel for panel out of the comic almost. But then as it gets into the material that he had only provided them an outline with and was working on himself while they were in production, what's covered in the later volumes, it starts to, to be a little bit different.
1: Yeah, I, I remember hearing an interview with him and he had uh, kind of an interesting uh, um, way of looking at it where he saw the movie as like the first half of the movie is a second draft of his work. And they did stuff right. in the first half that he liked better than the stuff he put out in the book. Right. But then yep. he's like the second half of the movie, because they were just going off of his notes. He was like, it's it's like a we- his work is almost like a, a weird second draft of the movie in some ways.
0: Yeah. There were things they came up with for the later parts of the movie that he was like, oh, I like that. I'm putting that in my book. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's a truly unique uh, circumstance
1: for that book, I think. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's a ton of books that get optioned early, but I don't know how many have that. Like are, like you said, like are, are the book is being produced as a movie is in production at the same right. time.
0: Right. 2001, A Space Odyssey. But other than that, I can't think right. of many.
1: <laughs> Ninja Turtles, I guess. The first Ninja Turtles, <laughs> possibly. It might have been. I don't know. I got to. We got to look into that. Right, right. Um, anyway, I mean, so so what gets me about this movie is like right from the first frame, the universal logo is like this pixelated video game,
0: right, right.
1: Uh, uh, like like eight bit sounding music. And, and it's like I just think that the, that the tone is set right from the first frame right there where you're like, OK, I know this is going to be a fun ride.
0: I yeah, I seen a joke recently on Twitter that references like like when they play around with that studio logo, you know, the movie's going to be crazy. Right. <laughs> it does. It does set the tone. I mean, it definitely lets you know, like what you're in for, because it goes from that pretty soon into the uh, there's a little scene where we're introduced to Scott and his friends and knives and chow and the situation that Scott's dating a high schooler. And then it goes into the to the opening credits of the, the movie with the music by Beck. And, and definitely it goes from like that, the opening credits with like the video game universal logo to like this really abstract kind of opening credits scene where after the, like, you know, you're not in a normal real world.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's that's the one thing I neglected to kind of point out as we were doing the intros and everything like that. Like this movie does have a very heavy, uh, video game influence to it, which I think is very, very cool. And, and it's something I appreciate of the movie, but it's not, it's not what, what I remember this movie for weirdly as it's, as it sounds, uh, this movie's got a ton of heart, I think. And, and, and I just love that this, this movie, the the, the entire idea appears to be motivated by that point in your twenties, when you're starting a new relationship and you're kind of comparing yourself to the exes that, this, this new person that you're dating has had. Right? right. you're sort of like, am I cooler than this person? Am I not cooler than this person? Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, I have similar qualities to that guy. Does that mean this relationship <laughs> is doomed to fail? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like I I think, I just think the whole movie is that that dynamic is, is the whole movie to me.
0: Yeah. And I've read some notes where he discussed the, the autobiographical aspects of his life was that he had moved back to toronto at that point in his early 20s and was dating an american girl and that he just became came, or became kind of fixated on just the idea of her past relationships as he was forming this new relationship with her so he's definitely said that that was a draw the video games are like half of the reference material that he drew into this games he talks about growing up on like old classic nintendo stuff Uh, Particularly River City Ransom, which comes up, uh, which is referenced uh, several times throughout the graphic novel series. And then the Scott Pilgrim video game that they put out around the time of the movie itself was heavily inspired by River City Ransom. And then the other half of his influence is uh, Japanese manga and anime. And I've seen him, I believe it was on Twitter, specifically reference a manga series that was turned into an anime series called Nana. Which is about a couple of girls in their early twenties moving to Tokyo, and uh, one of them is in a band. And basically, it's it's kind of about like these young adults starting out in this music scene in Tokyo. It's very soap opera ish. Gets into like their love lives, just their friendship relationship as they grow and change throughout, you know, adapting to the city. So those were his big influences, and not as excellent. So I recommend that one too. I've seen all of the anime series so far. It's got great music too. Just like Sal Pilgrim movie. It's got great music.
2: Yeah, my sons keep recommending that to me with a bunch of other sad ones. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, but the video game aspect of it's what drew me in because you get the Zelda um lullaby in the intro as well before they even start talking. Whether the drop into it into when um Chow meets the band members and things before right. the um, the big um, opening scene where did they perform their first song for the um, thing? But there's it's literally littered with nothing but video game references. You yeah, have, we get
0: the fairy fountain
2: music later on. The, yeah, exactly. The fairy fountain music. You get the Final Fantasy um, music in it as well. His P-bar. That's, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's, still, <laughs> that's in there, too.
1: My favorite one, though, is I, I think this is such a beautiful scene. It's the moment where like so like Ramona's in his life already, but he's still dating Knives. Right, and they're, and they're at the arcade, and they're playing like like that that Dance Revolution fighting game thing. Like right, this, with is, this is really this is really yeah. where you're going to see how stupid I am about video games. But I like the moment where the where the game ends, and they got like the giant continue screen where you need to like insert coins. Right, yeah. and I love that that's the moment where he's like thinking. Do I want to break up with her? do I not want to break up with her? What do I want to do here? And I just think that like that's just such a cool moment that ties the video game trope in with such a beautiful emotional dynamic of the scene.
2: Yeah, oh definitely.
1: Yeah, a lot of moments like that in this movie, but yeah, no, um
2: it's a lot of foreshadowing.
1: yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah.
3: throughout
2: the whole movie, it, it feels like certain, um, certain scenes are set up for a greater scene. In which it's telling what's gonna happen, mm-hmm. like when he's trying to um, get Ramona to his house, and he sets up an Amazon delivery. But right before he does that, there's an email out of nowhere <laughs> that literally tells him what's gonna happen. But he like blows it off as yeah. if like it's nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Skins it. Yeah. 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 He, get, he, he gets an email that's like, you know, I'm, I'm one of Ramona's evil exes. We're gonna fight. Like, you know, and he's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. He's like, it's junk mail. He says, this it's is so boring. boring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. And that's one thing I noticed about when they're sending
4: the, the, the stuff prior to the fights is you get a nice, there's a nice tease. You know, there's a, The foreshadowing is really good because you get, you know, a glimpse of a character that you know is coming up or like with the email or whatever. There's, you know, there's at least some anticipation built of like, well, okay, what's going to be the deal of, like we see the trailer with, um, was it Lucas Lee? Yep. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. Like yeah. that's,
4: that, that's how they, that's how they foreshadow him. And then Mae Whitman's character is the one that, that, you know, basically comes out of nowhere to, you know, they get scott pilgrim right mm-hmm. but i mean i, I think they you know and it was one of the things where i thought it was really cool the idea that everyone even even well i mean we're spoiling it because it's a 10 year
0: old movie and we're talking <laughs> right. about it but watch it now if you haven't seen it
4: yep yes stop right this second <laughs> and then come right back after when you're, when you're done but no like like the, the the reveal that Gideon is the same person that's that's judging the battle of the bands
0: right you yeah
4: know, you don't really get that the first time through you know you may you know you might have but i didn't but, you know, I like the fact that, all, you know, even with the fact that the fights are set up as well as the fact that these evil exes are coming, they're all set up pretty
2: well ahead of time. Yeah. It's definitely like a boss battle because they're all lined up one after the other one at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. in a video game.
1: Definitely. It's nicely done, too, like, it, like given that it's it's not a terribly long movie. No. Either. Like it's under two hours.
0: Just under you know, two hours. The fact, yeah. that,
1: the fact that they have to like introduce uh, um, seven exes for him to battle right you know what i mean it's not like a harry potter movie where they have movies to set this up like everything is completely self-contained in this one
4: you know well i was curious again watching it you know seeing it i've seen it a couple times since i saw it initially but i hadn't seen it in quite a while but i was just curious about when not so much when they're introduced but actually when the fights start Mm
3: -hmm.
4: like i timed it okay it's 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 30 minutes into the first like the first bit of like you get 30 minutes of the movie set up and then he fights Matthew Patel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. <laughs> at the 45 minute mark, he fights Lucas Lee. <laughs> at an hour and five minutes, he fights Todd Ingram. All right. And then um, at 115, he fights Rocky Richt- Roxy Richter. Mm-hmm. And then he fights the twins. Uh, what was it? The kind twins. The Kana, yeah. Katanagi twins is five minutes later. And then Gideon is 10 minutes later. So it's like it's a pretty tight movie. The fact, like you're saying, they don't have a lot of time to screw around. Then they have to foreshadow something and then get to it, basically.
2: Yeah. Well, I like how they um, segue to different scenes. Like there's one mm-hmm. bit where where he invites Ramona to the uh, to where they're playing after their first date, and instead right. of seeing the place, they show the yes. name of the place and the people are right there in the midst of going to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's the the segues almost seemingly in different ways.
4: Yeah, it's not that they do a lot of the good stuff like that. There's one like towards the end, right before they have the um, when they basically sign, when the rest of the band signs and leaves Scott, mm-hmm. where um, you know, Ramona's like, I don't know what it is, I just know what it is about him, but he's just, I don't know, it's just, and they play Under My Thumb, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Stones, <laughs> yeah which yeah. I thought is a great bit because it's like, oh, okay, well, we everyone knows exactly what you're talking about now, so.
2: No, nah, there's a lot of subtle references throughout the movie that if you uh, that's what I loved about it is because it's a. Uh, Favorite that I like to watch with my sons because when I saw mm-hmm. it with them, we moved there and we just crack up the whole time. But <laughs> yeah. the old, and then the more you see it, and when you see it at all after time, there's certain things that you didn't touch upon until later. That it's almost subliminal in what they do, and and what I love about too is the glares they give each other, mm-hmm. and, and when when someone's mad or awkward, like for example when he invites Ramona. To the uh to the first band battle right and then there's a glare between him ramona and um knives and it's just awkward as hell but you see and then, and then there's more glares between the band members because when they're announced they'll send this they have another girl as a drummer and then they <laughs> glare at each other <laughs> right? yes. this is like yeah. yes they do a lot with just scenes
0: I was surprised at uh, like how much they were able to adapt the gags from the original graphic novels, and just I read them all before the movie came out, and and then just to prepare for this, we watched the movie again, and then I read not the entire series, but I read the first volume and the and the last volume, and like that the gag at the first battle of the bands with them all glaring at each other that ends with Wallace glaring at scott's sister's boyfriend
2: yes mm-hmm.
0: and, and like that is all straight out of vo- volume one like panel yeah. for panel and yeah. it was like it's amazing that they took like a, a comic gag and made it work as like a live action movie gag and they do yeah. that a lot a lot
2: yeah and i like how com- they're comic they take from the comic backstory every time he tells a backstory it's it's in comic form right like yeah. when um, um todd ingram punches a hole in the moon Yep, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, basically, they're basically doing it in comedy. which, if you ever
0: see the moon in the movie, there is a hole in it.
2: There's a hole in the moon. Right? Yeah, you have to look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. blink, you'll miss it. Moment. I didn't yeah. know
0: that. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. The, oh, okay. He plays fair. It's most notable when the Kudanagi twins blow the roof off the place. I think yeah, in you, that. Yeah, battle. Okay. when you look and up, can you it's see there. the moon?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that all the fights had like a gimmick built around it. Right. You know what I mean? We're like mm-hmm. when he fights Lucas Lee who's an actor and he's like, he's like, I'm nothing without my stunt team. And it's this, (laughs) He's like just fighting off like all these doppelgangers of him, Uh, you know? And then I love when, when he's fighting Roxy, like he's, he won't hit a girl. So Ramona (laughs) is like, is like fighting her for him, but like, she's (laughs) just like using him as a puppet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: You catch the Southerners with Lucas Lee where it's like they're on a movie set. And right. since yes. the movie set, since they're in Toronto, which is where the uh, story takes place, the movie sets made to look like New York because a lot of movies set in New York are really filmed in Toronto. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So when he's crashing into the backdrop, it's a backdrop of New York. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, I love too is the subtleness of every X has their number somewhere in the scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. like for yeah, um, Lucas Lee, you can see the two on his car. todd ingram is blatant there's like a three across his chest yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: those are my two favorite fights in the whole movie though and i think that that like in the lucas lee one is the one that that uh brian lee o'malley was talking about in the books where he was he was saying like at the time he wrote it he was he was like really big in the like anticlimactic stuff and everything and he's like that's why that fight in the book is like you know they're eating like carrot sticks and stuff like that. <laughs> you know what I mean and, yeah. and, he, and that was one of those scenes where he's like no I really like like that stuntman stuff and, and I thought that that scene was done really really well um, and so that was like my favorite but I still crack up thinking about the Todd Ingram stuff and the reveal where like like the source of all his powers is that he's vegan <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just better than everyone he's else you know? yes. yeah. Yeah, it's a good bit yeah
0: and the yes. cameos for the uh, vegan police Thomas Jane and, yeah. and uh, Clifton Collins Jr is the other actor.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Yep, so we get a Punisher checked off in this movie too. Yep. Like I said oh, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot of superhero <laughs> actors oh, yeah. in this movie. Yeah. We yeah. get yeah. we get we get the
2: Huntress. Huntress. We yes. get, yep. We get Captain Marvel.
0: Captain yes. Marvel. We haven't brought up yet, but we do get her.
2: Yes, we will get her. We get Superman. Yep,
0: yep. Brandon yep. Ralph. Yep.
2: As well as yeah. the Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Kingdom Come
0: Superman in the Crisis crossover.
2: Well, I'm missing two. Awesome. I'm Captain, Captain America. America. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. Is that it? Is that it?
1: Uh Well, it Aubrey Plaza is also in Legion.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah no,
1: that's right. Yes, yeah. You're right. You're correct.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. I feel like there's more. I feel like we're missing some. Oh, no, yeah. And
1: Fuller from Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who's who's related to Kevin McAllister, who might as well be a superhero. Right. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah no, I think uh, yeah this this movie's cast, looking back at it, is so unbelievable. And this was this was like Michael Sarah like at the height of his of his celebrity, I think, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, like yes. this is one he was everywhere.
0: Yep. Super yeah, bad, Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: he was the lead. Yeah, definitely everywhere. Yeah, he's good in this movie. I I, I it's this is a tough role, I think, because because Scott is like does so many like douchey things <laughs> mm-hmm. <Right. laughs> you know what i mean right. yeah and it's yeah. really tough i think to do that and be like and like one to be the hero of the movie but also to be likable it's not one of those movies that were like right it's not like taxi driver where we're watching a horrible person unravel. <laughs> right we're watching like like you know a nice guy <laughs> right.
2: like we're supposed to relate to this guy yeah, yeah that's the thing but if you look at it again he's a yeah. he's 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 terrible from from the start. I mean, yes. he, we're introduced to him saying that he's dating a high schooler.
0: Right. And that yes, is yeah. like that is the the point. I mean, yeah. it gets taken it's presented in a in a kind of quirky way, like, oh, like, look at this this fun idiosyncratic thing. But like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the whole point of it is that he's not grown up and he needs to grow up.
2: Yes, sure. And
0: that is the entire theme of the book, is is him growing up, or, And the movie is and him movie. growing up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I mean, I've always taken it as Basically we're alluded to his past relationship with Envy Adams, and we know it did not end well. Yes. And it traumatized him. Yes. And it's pretty much seems to be because he at his, you know, early adulthood couldn't deal with an adult relationship. He couldn't deal deal with an adult relationship ending. And so he decides to seek out something simpler, something innocent, which is why He's just happy to be handi- holding hands with a 17-year-old girl who tells him about yearbook club and stuff. Yep, Because mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like a safety he retreats to and that he can't deal with being an adult in adult relationships. And then that does carry into the theme of meeting Ramona, who's got all of this baggage. Yeah, and, and that that's just what adult relationships are. So he has to learn how to deal with all of the baggage that comes with being an adult relationship, including his own baggage that he won't admit to.
2: Oh, no, you're 100% right. correct with the analysis of it. But I like how the movie points it out because there's a scene right when he meets Ramona that Albert Paz's character lays it all out there. She names every girl that he that he dates, right. including the band member who, yeah, is, Kim. Yeah, who is still yeah. traumatized by the <laughs> right. relationship and calls him like, something something jerky jerk. Because yeah. everybody, right, right. everybody knows that he's that individual
0: yeah and she's got a great line in that scene where where she's like asking if he's over you know envy and yes. and his friend steven stills is like oh he's she's fine he's he's out of mourning he's dating a high schooler now no. and she's so just that like is, that is the, is morning. the morning
3: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: what i like is the scene
4: where um where he goes with wallace to meet her at school which is creepy enough and he says the thing about well, they have boys too. Right. Which is what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. and, then, uh, and
2: he avoids it. Yeah. Wallace avoids it. And
4: and and Wallace does the like the sensible thing and grabs by the sho- grabs nice by the shoulder and says, <laughs> right. You're too good for him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The seventeen year old is better is, is so much better <laughs> than, than the twenty two year old. Yeah. I mean, just the idea that, you know, your entry character is pretty, you know, he's kind of unlikable.
3: Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
4: You know, and and I and I understand that the journey of him growing up is what this thing's all about. But it's one of those things where he does a lot of, like like uh, Zach was saying, he does a lot of douchey stuff right up front, and you kind of like, you know, you can identify him with him. But there's also stuff in it where I'm kind of like, you know, I, I I'm hoping he's going to pull it around by the end because he doesn't start off as being anything. So he's so kind of eh, yeah yeah at the beginning of, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. with that Michael Sarah bit. But he starts to get, as more as the, of the fights go on, he's, his character begins to become more and more angry. And I don't mean, like, like in a bad way. I just mean, he's, I guess maybe it's more focused. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's, I mean, it was one things where I didn't remember, like, thinking back on it, I didn't remember thinking, wow. <laughs> Everyone around him knows what a douchebag he is, but he's, you know, but he's supposed <laughs> to be likable at the same time. So. Right. Well, yeah. is,
2: and is that one bit, too, where he uses the same line on women. The, the, the pac-man line oh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. same exact line he uses to get ramona and and, yep. yes. and he still gets her
0: yes. <laughs> though, not with that line though yeah no yeah. not with the line but it was
2: it's just really He's doing the same exact line he gave the knives wow that's, yeah. that's yes. so messed up
1: i do think though i do think that michael Sarah though just like just just his charisma though is like what I think sells the audience on it. It's just the fact that like he's he's just he's oh, was weirdly likable. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, in, in, in just about everything. And this, so this is the thing about it though that because I saw the movie first and then and then I read the first uh, two or three books. I can't quite remember. I didn't finish the whole series, right? But after I read the books, I remember thinking I kind of read Scott a little differently in the books than I do in the movie now right Mm -hmm. there's like a nervousness that scott has in the movie that that to me i i don't really see the character that much in the book like in the book i've been trying to think like all week how to say this and it's like really hard but he appears to be a little bit more confident in the book in a sense like like he's much more like this is who i am and i'm great you know at the same time like acknowledging that you know, like, uh, he's got faults for sure. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And the other thing too, like to kind of go off what you were saying, Frank, it's he struck me in the books as somebody that was much more easy to get an angry response out of. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like a comedic angry response though. Like he seemed to be much more like emotional, like, (laughs) Maybe that's just me. That may just be how I'm reading it. But Well, in the books,
2: it was much more announced that he was a fighter. It's, mm-hmm. more, it's more pronouncedly stated that this is what he does. And it's not as a big shock as when you see him do it with the other exes.
0: Right. And when, the, when Matthew Patel shows up in the books, they're like, don't they know Scott's the best fighter in the province? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. really?
2: Big time. Big time.
4: Cause that's what that was the question that I had, and I and I, I never really—it's one of the things I've thought about it before. and never done the the research or the work, like how much of those fight scenes are really Michael Sarah? <laughs> like I don't really know, you know. I mean, obviously not all of it because it's you know it's special effects, and, and you know we we're going to video game, you know, human beings acting like video games. But there are times I'm like, when you're you know you're looking at it, it's like, well, it looks like he's doing a lot of it,
3: right? Yeah.
4: No. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, if you've ever seen Arrested Development or this or anything else with Michael Sarah, the first thing that doesn't jump into your mind is action sequence,
2: <laughs> yeah. you know, but maybe as maybe as as many. Um, um, what's it call it? Um, stunt stunt guys doubles. like Chris Evans.
3: Because <laughs> he had like nine
2: <laughs> in that one scene, Hello. possibly.
3: <laughs> sure.
4: Possibly. But that was a question. I, uh, does anyone know? Anyone have any idea? No,
0: I don't know. I actually haven't watched too much like making of stuff on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, I, yeah, I would be curious.
4: Because, again, I was thinking of, you know, I, I started thinking uh, when I when I thought about this question more, a little further, I kept thinking about Edgar Wright movies in particular. Right. And, again, most of Edgar Wright's characters aren't necessarily, like, matinee idol-looking characters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got your Shaun of the Dead, you got your characters from Hot Fuds, or... Uh, right. What's another one I'm thinking of?
0: World's End, which is all of his regular yeah. cast of characters.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Cornetto trilo- Trilogy stuff, so... Yeah, none of those guys are, you know, they do so. you know, Hot, hot Fuzz is a little more, I mean, I like you could argue the same thing for right. Shaun of the Dead, but there's not a lot of traditional, quote unquote, action in them.
0: Yeah. Uh, not until you get so, to the Cars Chases in Baby Driver. I forgot about Baby Driver. See, I still yeah. haven't seen Baby Driver. Oh, Baby Driver is uh, phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> have, I've heard. It's, it's a good, like, carryover from Scott Pilgrim in that they're both, like, very non-traditional musicals, I would say. Okay. Whereas Scott okay. Pilgrim, you know, you get the music numbers through the band, and like music permeates it. In, in Baby Driver, music also permeates it, but like the car chases kind of become the dance numbers.
3: Yeah, Girl, when okay. he plays yeah. the songs is a way
0: yeah. I would describe it. But I do recommend Baby Driver. Uh, yeah, a that's, lot. yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a that's a movie that again passed under the radar. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I think I don't think the trailer suits the movie.
0: Yeah, I can see like a a, a natural progression from Scott Pilgrim to that. Okay. Very good. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious,
1: like, had they played it a little bit closer to at least how I read the books, which, again, I don't know. I mean, that could just be me. But like, he he seems scrappier, (laughs) you know, like, and I wonder if if that would have not made the movie work quite as well, right? If they if they uh, went a little bit
0: more into that. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, I remember when when I was reading the books before the movie came out, like Michael Cera is not who I pictured. Same here as Scott <laughs> Pilgrim. Um, but then in the movie, I was like, okay, I'm like, I can go with this. And then when I went back now to read the the volume one, I can be like, okay, no, like I can see that there now. I can see that that hesitancy in this character. I can see like the the underlying neuroses. <laughs> Sort mm-hmm. of that he puts a, a confident face on, but I can read it more now like Michael Sarah, than I could before. Yeah. OK, and
2: plus it plays into what you said, Zach, as how he's so disarming that you don't mm-hmm. think he be that he'd be a douchebag, but he right. is a douchebag. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's like if you don't look at him and listen to what the whole town is saying about him, like, no, this is a douchebag. He just he just hasn't <laughs> realized it yet, or no one's called him out on it yet, because he keeps moving from X to the next in like a heartbeat.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's like in the universe of the movie, there's something about him, There's right. something likable about him. Like he gets dates. He gets <laughs> dates, <laughs> but, pretty like, but you know it, what it, I mean. And, and and the thing with Kim, the the Allison Pill character, it's like you know, she clearly has hostility towards him, but at the same time is willing to be around him every day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I
2: mean, she's in the band. I mean, they they go back during high school. So it's not like it's um, anger. Nothing about that whole situation of the movie feels overly angry. Even when, like, Lucas Lee's character, Chris Evans' character, punch him in the face. He has (laughs) he has gleeful banter between the two of them, you know yeah. <laughs> which is like do you hate I him like or do kid. you like yeah, him? That's yeah what yeah, he yeah. Him. i yeah, like yeah. this kid yeah <laughs> he seems nice yeah but you, you can't win against the a-lister come on yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah so nothing about it i mean it's just at one point when you watch the movie again it's like a battle of who's the worst because even mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about scott but then we look at ramona who is no different than scott in which mm-hmm. her her motivation instead her her knives child Scott was her knives child in which after moving from one person to the next person to the next person to the next person she just wanted somebody different which was Scott and it was an escape from her ex which right. was she Gideon. wanted something
0: like, she wanted something simple and uh, right. yeah, and easy like, and yeah, honest yeah.
2: and Gideon was her envy mm. if you look at it it, again, like I've seen that movie so many times. <laughs> it, the scenes alone, just it's, I, I can watch certain scenes, like the reveal of Envy Adams and um, okay. her boyfriend to um, Scott and Ramona. I love that. <laughs> no, scene. that's, yeah.
1: inter- that's <laughs> interesting. No, no, it 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 hadn't occurred to me that yeah, I guess you're right. Like, like he he is her knives. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
2: And, and it's it, it's an interesting move as to see it's like. Who's worse? And you can see him become I mean, even at one point they have the discussion in the in in the bar about him being just another terrible ex, which he does become Mm -hmm. because uh, when he goes to fight Gideon, he's not better at that point. That's why he loses. Right. But he has to come to realization. But I love how it's in his head because they established that early on in the movie because she uses his head to travel amazon faster it's like
0: what there's some space tunnels yeah
2: Yeah. oh you you guys don't have that in canada we have it in america it's like it's like a a throwaway (laughs) joke but you get it because it explains as to why she can talk to him in his head after death or why he's dying yeah in order for him to come around and realize what a douchebag he's been hence the apologies that he gives her off to everybody damn near he apologizes to young neil Mm -hmm. he apologizes to kim he apologizes for cheating Yep. You know, and then he apologized for himself and wants to uh beat up Gideon because B- Gideon just needs a butt kick. Him. Right. It's like, got, nothing, got nothing to do with trying to get his girl away. He's just a terrible person.
1: Yeah, I do love the, the one up scene just also for, for like what it does. H- how I relate to it from my video game days back in the day and everything where it is like when you died, but like in dying in the game, you figured out sort of what you needed to do.
2: Yeah. Very and so game, yeah. when you would
1: play the level over again, like you're just flying through it. And I just love mm-hmm. that in that scene where like he's going through like all the other guys and he's just, he's just, he's Pumbling just like them. F you just skip yeah. through everything. Just like, <laughs> right? he's just yeah. jumping over the bad guys and stuff like that, which is exactly like how, how you would play the games. Yeah. It's just interesting that when you say the thing about the subspace tunnels in, in, in his head,
4: the idea that when he first, you know, he first has that moment of work, like you think it's a dream. He says, oh, so lonely. It just makes me wonder now if it was one of the things where she sort of like either heard that or grafted on it. And like, oh. That's an easy thing I can take care of that I don't have to really do much with,
2: oh no, definitely because she, remember the line he gives her, were you in my dreams? That's not you know mm-hmm. it's like, no, I was you know why <laughs> okay. like oh, okay, it's not a line it's it's really the thing, yeah, but no, she right. but again, it just shows how she's a bad person. she grafted onto the to the most loneliest or downtrodden person in the area and just mm-hmm. uh, uh capitalized off it, true sure. I mean in the need yeah, I mean, in the first need scene, the attention, yeah, yeah. And, and to me, and another thing, too, is what uh, Clifton was saying earlier about how he wanted it simple when he deals with Ramona, he almost beds her that same night. True. Yeah. yeah. It's, and a scene, though.
1: it's a good though. It's a sweet scene. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But it's like, no, I've decided not to do this thing. And I'm just, you know, you can just chill because I'm not going to throw you out in the cold. He's like, OK, cool. And then hence the start of his cheating.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: So does anyone know if the, if the number at one point worked her phone number? <laughs> oh, it I don't know. <laughs> Cause it doesn't work now. <laughs> I can tell you from experience, it does not work at this moment, <laughs> but um, it was one of the things where like, you know, it's I, I've, 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 been pretty good about <laughs> when i see a number in a movie or a t- television show like right. for example every so every every phone number in better better call Saul uh-huh. or breaking bad all of those work okay you can call all those numbers wow. <laughs> oh really <laughs> going- yeah, I'm well, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll get a recording of somebody from the show or it'll be someone's actual phone or whatever <laughs> um they're all albuquerque numbers um but this one i mean 212 is what new york right yeah it's manhattan so it's one of the things where i wonder what you know with what if it did you know i don't know if it did work or did not work at some point right um and then other than the fact that she's kind of ramona's character is, is kind of you know he you know scott starts to panic and thinks oh she's fickle done right she's going to be over soon is there any significance in the books of her changing her hair
0: color no, no. because it the gag doesn't work because the books were black and white
3: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> uh, her hairstyle changes but they don't really worry about color and stuff it's never really brought up there's one gag in the comic where he asks is that your natural hair color and uh-huh. she's like no i don't know maybe and her hair is supposed to be blue <laughs> blue yeah but it's in a black and white comic so like yeah. that's what the gag right. is and then okay. and then when they colorize that there's a note on the panel that was like this joke worked better in black and white yeah <laughs> got gotcha. you okay
4: yeah, I was curious because if one thing's where it's like, I I remember it being more prevalent before I'd watched this, this last time. And mm-hmm. then some I'm like, oh, well, it's not that much. as not nearly as many times as I thought it was in
1: the. Uh-
0: yeah, no, I'm with you, Frank. I think it changed volume to volume in the comic, okay. in the in the yeah. graphic novel okay. series. So okay. I remembered it the same
1: way, Frank. I remember I'm like, I thought she changed. I thought it was like almost every time we saw her, it was different. Yeah, just about and it's, and it's, the same and thing. It's not at all like it's like it's she changes it twice after we meet her initially. Right.
4: Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, then I was, I was, that was the thing that I picked up on. I was like, well, maybe there's something to it and maybe not, but I guess right. there's nothing to it. So.
0: And then knives changing to try to follow her example is funny. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, It's a good bit,
0: which in the, in the graphic novel, there's something where she first tries to be Kim because yeah, Kim oh, was wow. close to them. And then she tries to be Ramona.
2: Yeah. She constantly changed her identity or who her role model is in order to be cooler so to speak
0: yeah but getting the highlights punched out of her hair is is an amazing gag (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's
4: a good bit yeah no i like that too
2: but in a book when she um gets the uh the knives it's earlier on as opposed to the ending in the movie
0: Ah, yeah she has a fight scene i think in volume two
2: yeah where she fights Mm. um flowers when flowers has the hammer and it's introduced Mm. at an earlier time okay but go, hey, going back to what I said with the numbers, did you guys catch all the numbers that they tried to the, um, show you who the X's were, like the subtle hints?
0: I mean, I noticed some of the the use of the X, like actual X's. Like there's one point where they're walking down the street. Yes. It has like five railroad crossing X's above <laughs> it. And it's after he yeah. had already mm-hmm. fought two of the X's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I did catch a few things like that, but I know there's more I missed.
2: Yeah. Like if you look on the, on, um, Patel's character, he has one chevron on his left shoulder. Uh, That's to symbolize mm. the X. The okay. two little X's on the trailer for uh, what you call it, Lucas Lee. Right. It's on his trailer and he has a small tattoo of it on his neck if you look. Okay. And then if you look on his belt, he has two X's as well. <laughs> which is crazy. And then it, it, another thing with the, um, I'm trying to think. Um, Gideon, is supposed to be call him G-Man. Yeah. It's the Ooh. seventh uh, letter in the alphabet. I mean, yeah, uh, it's like it gets after that starts getting subliminal as far as how they do the the axes and things of that nature. But those was the ones I can clearly remember as far as without looking into it or having anything um described. Like when they defeat Gideon, for some reason everyone else has a certain amount, like one thousand or three thousand. Gideon is seven million or seven billion.
0: <laughs> right, right. signify he's
2: the seventh one.
0: He's the top boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: He's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the and then. One thing that too, one thing after looking at it multiple times, Matt Patel was the only one he didn't need help beating. Mm. Everybody else he needed help. Like, well, Lucas Lee he beats him by accident.
0: Right, he tricks him more he or less. Him. Yeah, right,
2: yeah. But the vegan police defeat Todd. Ramona helps him defeat Roxy. Um, I think the Katanagi twins was as a group effort because right, he needed the Batman. Yeah, and then um, Knives helps him beat Gideon. I guess it's a little subliminal to make him so he's not alone. You never, you will never buy yourself type of deal. Right. right. Yeah. Again, that, that movie has a lot of subplot. <laughs> just a dude yeah, trying clearly. to get a girl. No,
1: I missed a ton of this stuff. Like you've tell me you've clearly watched the crap out of this. movie. Oh, I, love, I love that. I,
2: there's certain scenes I can recite. Jeez. It's just, it, to me, it was, it was the best video game movie without saying it's a video game movie. <laughs> you know, it's it's the whole premise behind it. I mean, even if you some of the stuff doesn't even make sense as to how they're moving. Out. Why would he do this? Why would her ex get a group of her exes together to beat up the new guy only to be with him? It, it makes no <laughs> sense. <for that>. Right. <laughs> and they all die as a result. of. Well, but it, but it's Gideon
1: him. who did that, though. Right. I mean, that, that's the that's the part I like, too, where he's just like, sorry about this whole thing. I was in kind of a bad place after the breakup. And I, you know. I put this whole thing together. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? yeah. And Which I like mean, two in two a hours. weird way, that's that's relatable too. We're like, <laughs> you know, he's he's in mourning for the breakup, you know, and and you know, he's not taking it the best way. So you know, he's he's funneling his anger into into you know, rather than getting over it, moving on.
2: Yeah, right. was right? the, the lines that are funny is like, we got together to control the love life of Ramona Flowers. I mean, like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a game. What? But no, right. I, I, yeah, there's, there's so much of that that's just over the top funny that I don't think we'll ever get a movie like this <laughs> in, in, in this form from that source material. Like, hell, even it's weird, too, what the subliminals that um, um Edgar Wright does, like when Scott's at the party where it says Plumtree, mm-hmm. it's the name of an all girl band right. that had a song called Scott Pilgrim. Right. That, that inspired, inspired the whole character.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. no, yeah. Honest. I didn't. I didn't bring that stuff up before, but yeah. There's a band called Plum Tree that was high school. Like they formed in junior high. They operated from like 1993 to 2000. Mm-hmm. Put out three or four albums with like four EPs. Uh, one of their songs was called Scott Pilgrim. They were from Nova Scotia, and they were like a kind of like indie rock. Like light punk surf rock band, <laughs> and he was a big fan of theirs. And because they were around the same age as him, and and one of their songs is called Scott Pilgrim, which was the song I know. It's on the soundtrack, and it's just about like a guy they have a crush on, <laughs> and and mm. that's like all the song is about. It's just like the, how much they like this guy named Scott Pilgrim. So he just kind of like imagined like who this Scott Pilgrim was. Yeah, and this is what he came up with. Huh, very cool. You hear a glimpse of the song of the actual Scott Pilgrim song uh, when I think he's first going to his and Wallace's place.
2: In place, yeah, that's what you hear. And, the song, yeah.
0: and then you do hear some other music by Plumtree on the soundtrack.
4: Yeah, I do think it's interesting. Also, along the fact that about him having to grow up is the idea that. He- <laughs> You want to see the
1: place I grew up? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's (laughs) across the street. It's 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 across the street. They just turn around and there it is. (laughs) Yeah,
4: it's almost it's it's almost like especially the fact that he doesn't have his own bed. It's almost like he's having an extended sleepover with Wallace, where he won't like. There's there's not even like there's nothing there for him to even be to really claim that it's his. When they show the diagram of all the panels of like what's his and what's Wallace's, it's like no, then it's not really your place, man. You're just you're just crashing, (laughs) really.
2: So. I like how they make fun. Yeah, they make fun of that author movie when he's with Wallace. Like the fact that, I, I like the fact of how he wakes up from having a nightmare to tell the guys he's sleeping with. Like, everyone's <laughs> gay but him in the bed. And yeah, he tells them, right. he's like, you just sleep with her? And one of the guys like, what, are you gay? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like it's just, yes. This is so weird. Or when he's trying to set up a date with Ramona and he wants uh, uh, Wallace to leave so you might gay up the place. And then yes. that when he saw Self-Conscious, uh, uh, Wallace throws back the line and says, and I'm the gay one, you know? Yeah, I might gay yeah, it up. Yeah. yeah, I might get it up. Yeah, uh, the joke's in that. It's, it's you want it to be a kid's show, kid's movie, but it's definitely not a kid's movie, you know? But you can watch it with kids because there's no way they'll get half the jokes that they make fun of. <laughs> like, I'm not bi-curious, I'm bi-furious, you know?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> From Mae Whitman, classic line.
2: Yeah. Yes.
4: Yeah, a lot of good performances in this movie.
0: Yeah, Wallace is a great character, and mm-hmm. and Karen Culkin's performance is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like he he plays it so well because a lot of the lines are in the comic, but like he delivers them perfectly.
2: Perfectly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Anna Kendrick too. Not not a big yeah. role, but I mean, she
1: she crushes it in every yeah. scene. Yeah, she's, she's
4: great. Yeah, she's phenomenal too.
1: But again, speaking
4: of speaking of of crush it, we didn't really talk that much about about in the
0: oh yeah big time and she is she is really good like i love her deliveries in this yeah
4: Yeah, absolutely she's another one that just you know it could come off easily being you know in in a movie that is very you know not really grounded so much in reality but dealing with bigger themes she she could come off as typical just like a you know kind of like a scene stealing or a scene chewing villain and she doesn't really come off that way
0: yeah like she commands as much presence as she needs to Oh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I like how every time Scott
2: brings her up, you see a picture, right? Mm. Like when he's talking about her, and then you see in the background behind him pictures they took like at a photo booth. Yeah. <laughs> and when she leaves him, <laughs> and then when he's discussing <laughs> in the music store, when he bring up her band, you see the the standee of her. <laughs> yeah, <man>. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny.
0: And then before she appears, there's a poster of her on the wall behind where she appears. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then when she's standing there, it's like, wait a minute, it's moving. It's like, no, that's her. <laughs> standing right there.
2: Yeah, oh my gosh. The scenes, man.
0: But yeah, I, like, I didn't know um, much about Brie Larson at the time. I think she had been on uh, was it United States of Tara? Was she the daughter? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, was the, yeah she, she was. I think that was her name. Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like the just the, the lines where it's just kind of like a nineteen forties vibe. Like it, yeah, just, it somehow works.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit femme fatale forty style.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. She's she's the one in this movie that I had no idea who she was until years after.
2: And okay. I was like,
0: oh, that's Brie Larson. Oh wow, like you
1: know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think her yeah. breakout movie was what The Room A Room.
0: Yeah, I and mean, that was her Oscar winner. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: I Twenty One Jump Street was where I first like like took notice. Of okay. her. You know what I mean? That was where that was where like I knew her name. I would say, you know? Yeah. Mm. Right. Well, I vaguely remember her in community. She played as one chick named Rachel.
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 I remember when the movie was in production, and like I was following the news because like I was a fan of the books, so I want to see. And Edgar Wright at the time was like big on social media. I mean he still is, but I just remember all throughout the production. Like he put up so much stuff when they were on set filming this movie okay. and mm. every cast member got like a cast announcement that was okay. basically they would put up a picture of like Brian Lee O'Malley drawing of the character covering half of the actor's face. Oh, okay. And, and that would be like your guess of like, who is that? And who is that? And it was always like, you know, one after another, after another for like every part I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh well, there's, chris evans who had been by in um, fantastic four and, and other stuff by then okay and and was known and then like jason schwartzman i just remember it being like a big deal every time they'd reveal yet another like amazing actor actress that was going to be in this thing oh wow yeah
4: getting back to the whole thing with the 40s like the femme fatale thing i thought it was i thought she played the fact that she was she came off as being very in control of the situation, but it didn't take much to strip away the veneer that she had. Right. Oh yeah. Cause when he calls her what, Natalie, she sort of has that moment of like, Oh, no one really calls me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. No
2: time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, even it, yeah. in the beginning, like, so I used to call her Nat, but when she stopped taking that name was when she left me, you know, it's, it's yeah. just, it's again, another example of how their breakup was and how they lost their connection and whatever. But I just like how, the interconnect between him and Ramona is just the same. (laughs) It's the same person dealing with different things.
1: Yes. I love Ramona in this though. I would easily see a pre, I would easily read like a prequel comic that's about her, (laughs) even though we kind of get her story anyway. But yeah, no, I mean, she, she was my favorite character re re rewatching this Mm -hmm. for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, I just like, I, I was interested in, in the dynamic where, right. She wants something simple. But there's something also about Scott that she kind of that she's I, I do find it legit that she's actually kind of like getting into him along the way. Right. And mm-hmm. and there's there's a beautiful scene. I think I it's after the the Todd fight, I believe. I think it's after the third one where they're like everybody's like after the gig and they're about to go someplace else or whatever. And they're just like in a, in, in a restaurant getting like pizza. Yeah, and he's like pizza, holding. Pizza. Yeah, he's like holding the Coke Zero head like can like against his head. And, everything. and he just looks miserable. Right. And there's a moment like where she's looking at him and it's just sort of she's like, we don't have to go to this. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, which which I think every every couple's like had that conversation. Also, mm. like we don't have to do this. He's like, no, 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 we'll we'll do we'll it. But do I this. just yeah, think yeah. I just think that it's cool that like that she's seeing what this guy is like willing to do for her and right? right. what he's going through. And 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 I just but that scene made me like her more. <laughs> yeah. You
2: know. <laughs> oh wow. Well. Okay. No, she's definitely a dynamic character throughout the house. She's cool, calm, and collected. But the more, the more she gets into it, the more she breaks down. I, yeah. I, I like that one. Long, I like the scene where she breaks down her relationship with Gideon, in which she describes that she was never more lonely than with anybody than with Gideon than she was right. even by herself. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then she act by her acting out and doing this, she got more attention than she ever did when she was actually with him
1: yeah exactly right. he didn't care until she left mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah
1: exactly which 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 is the lure for for her to come back yeah. i think right yeah no it's i think that there's a lot of subtlety to her performance too and and there's um the moment where there she goes to the to his gig to watch him play
2: mm-hmm. and she right? and and, and she's
1: it. like sitting in the balcony and like there's his sister and knives is right there and everything there's a moment where i think where she sees him play and it it just it, it cuts like a quick shot of her and she's like smirking and I think that's the moment where she's like okay like like yeah, there's something to this guy and, it, and it's the same moment that like that Knives like kind of goes like huge <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. much more understated <laughs> yeah. she sees him perform and that's when Knives like you guys are amazing but amazing. really but it's also like I mean but she, she's Gaga over Scott
2: oh no big time you know? yeah no you see it in that but I, I'll go yeah. back to what you said Zach earlier this movie is like about that years in your life where it's self-discovery I think mm. all of them go through it. I mean, you get that moment with um Knives at the end where she finally comes into her own where she doesn't need Scott. Mm-hmm. you got um that with Ramona when she comes into her own and she does that relationship with Gideon and Scott's not working. she can walk away from both without feeling like she's the worst anymore. You even get the um situation with um Sexba which uh, ultimately they get the big contract deal and when remember when Scott goes into them, they're like corporate. And like, which they have to wear their own, their, yeah. whatever they say they have to wear. <laughs> and this is what you're fighting for. And at yeah. the end, they don't like that either. It's a bit. Yeah. It's watching it and see the individuals. It's a lot about self-discovery in which you think you want this, but it's not really what you want. You know, that's what I get from
1: it. Yeah. I think Kim too. I think, I think Kim by the end of it, like, like, I don't want to say forgives him, but I think, I think she's, she sees that he's realizing some potential finally yes right and even though it's not like geared towards her where i mean clearly like that's still like like you know a wound for her mm-hmm. you know but she's able she's able to sort of like to you know to back him up
2: yeah you even get that with envy when yeah. um when um what's his name um dies
1: uh todd oh i love that part i still speak please. <laughs> <Vegan Boy>. police <laughs> And they show up with, with... They don't have guns. They're just pointing their fingers at him, Yeah, <laughs> right. like in in the in the... <laughs> you know, making gun gun signs with their fingers.
0: It's oh. like the spirit gun from Yu Yu Haku show, which was yes. an old anime. Yeah, it was old anime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like when he punches him to the sky and he drops. It's a, it, yes. And when he comes down, he says... Uh, Eventually. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they have, like, whole lines while he's busy falling down to the earth and stuff. <laughs> it's like, would you... What did he say with the with the rain? Oh my God! If if I repeat my past and I told you it's from the rain, and she's like, it's not raining, Scott.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, that, that yeah, I love that movie. I can watch that endlessly, like once a month, easily.
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a good movie. It's a good book. Good books. Brian Lee O'Malley's great. You know, um, it, it's interesting that he's never revisited this. I mean, he's a writer artist, so you know he doesn't he doesn't churn stuff out super quick. Right. You know what I mean? But it it is, it, I've always expected him to sort of like get coaxed into revisiting this world in some capacity, you know, and there's not been a whole lot there. I mean, I guess there's been like, like animated shorts or something. Correct me if I'm wrong on that Clifton. I think there was something that was released kind of close to the movie.
0: Yeah. It was just like a, like a quick, small thing. Right, And mm-hmm. then there's been a couple, like outside of the graphic novels, there were a couple short comics that appeared in other things, like an Oni free comic book day comic as a, as a Scott Pilgrim short. He was involved in the creation of the video game that came out around the time of the movie, but there's a, there's a movement to try to get the game released again, but he unfortunately doesn't have any control of that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure would like to see that happen.
1: Well, and there was talk also, like, pretty recently, I think, about them doing, like, an anime inspired no, by Scott heard. Pilgrim, right? Yeah, Tommy, no, I, I thought, I thought you brought that up at one point, didn't you? As an anime, I don't, I'm not yeah. quite sure. I would know. I'd
2: love the idea if that was, if that came to fruition. <laughs> Ain't wrong, because I still have the original um, PS3 version of the game on there. That thing's amazing. It's no. <laughs> definitely River City Ransom. Yeah, I'm not hooking that yeah. up to the internet or nothing. It, and what <laughs> and makes that game even more amazing is you can be a Kim scott and two other people i just can't come to mind but each one has their own path i mean they play the same levels but they have their own journey of self-discovery so to speak oh Ramona's just went another place and i want to say the last one's knives just because of their their battle gear and what they do with it it's it's crazy yeah yeah Hmm. but no i wish oh my god that'd be an amazing idea have that as an anime style oh yeah
0: i think there was a board game at one point a few years back that that okay. he did the art and assets for?
2: Yes. Huh. But I do remember some board game at Barnes & Noble yeah. that I should have picked up.
0: Like a tabletop game or something.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> as far as the books go though,
1: like are the are the black and white editions still in print anywhere or is like the color edition sort of like like the version that's out right now?
0: I'm not sure because like now, the, when they first put the color editions out, they put them out in hardcover, but then they put out paperback versions of, mm-hmm. of the colored yeah. editions, so those might have supplanted the black and white paperback versions, which were the original publication. so I'm not sure. And I think digital versions, Comixology is the color version.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I remember black and white versions like before the movie came out. Cause right. was Clifton, like, like you, you would point them out to me. Cause I know like you were the one person I knew that was into Scott Pilgrim before the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, after the fact, it's just been only the color editions, which I mean, they're great. I love them. Like, I mean, they're beautiful, Yeah,
0: beautiful books. Nathan Fairbain is the colorist on that book and he does yeah. a phenomenal job.
2: Yeah. They're beautiful looking books, but, uh, Clifty, you're the only one that read the books, right? Before the movie? Oh, well, I completely read them. I know oh. uh, Zach saw the, read the first two or three, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. if you, if you haven't read them, Tommy, then yeah, then I'm the only one who's read oh, no, no. Of them.
2: I read them too, because I was going to refer to the ending of the books, which differs from the okay. movie. That's right. why.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've read them. Okay. I do, I do like the mirror match thing in the movie where it's like, because again, it's another video game trope, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Where we're scorpions fighting. You know, you know the the mirror scorpion right. who's like slightly shaded darker.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs> you you know, know The, what diff- I mean? the but, color swap. But
1: I, I just love, yes. I just love the the gag to it where it's like, of course, why wouldn't they get along? They're the same person. Like you know, <laughs> they just walk <laughs> yes. out of there. Like, all right, let's do brunch sometime. You
0: know, <laughs> they play. They use the Negascot in the in, in the, the final book. volume of the graphic novel, but it's oh, done yeah. to a different effect. It's basically represents all the stuff he doesn't want to admit about himself. Right. Uh, And then he, he doesn't really defeat it. He kind of loses to it and then remembers everything. (laughs) And then like remembers all the horrible stuff he's done. Yeah.
1: No, I remember you telling me that like, like around the movie, uh, when you were saying that like, it is used more in the book and everything. And it does scream in the movie a little bit that like, it's just a gag. That's like too good to pass up. So we're going to put it in, but we don't really have time to do much with it. Right so we're just going to make but i do like the joke i mean yeah it's, no it's a it's a funny
0: gag in the movie yeah, for sure
2: yeah but the book definitely mines the meaning of it to a, a more of a psychological effect yeah okay. but i yeah but i thoroughly enjoyed the book uh i liked how they go into depth about his issues and what's discussed as opposed to how the, the comedic tone of the movie and how that develops and how it's used
0: yeah it is interesting because the he wrote the graphic novels over about 7 years total i think if i remember right i think they came out every year except for one there was a there was a gap on one year i'm going to double check on that
1: i believe he has carpal tunnel i believe he has carpal tunnels so, so i think honestly i think that's why like like some of his stuff's a little slow to come out too okay yeah we
0: had volume 1 was 2004 volume 2 was 2005 volume 3 2006 volume 4 2007 then uh, volume five, two thousand nine, and and volume six, uh, twenty ten, right before the movie's release. And and it is interesting seeing, like when you read them, you see the evolution of him as an artist and as a creator. Like his, his the I mean, his art develops over time. Um he just becomes much more daring in the illustrations he's making, in the drawings he makes and the choices he makes. And also the, the ideas become like more nuanced and more sophisticated as it goes on, I thought. So it is, it is really interesting to see it as, as an evolution of him in his early young adult life, uh, growing as a creator while he's doing this coming of age story about this yeah. character and friends loosely based on, on some of his friends.
1: And, he, and he, he wasn't working on anything else at the time either, right? Like he doesn't pop up in... I mean, he has other work that's come up, I believe, before Scott Pilgrim, am I right? I mean,
0: yeah, he did Lost at Sea was published before Scott Pilgrim. Okay. And then he had done um, some work with, like popped up doing stories for some other indie books, like yeah. short pieces in.
1: Okay. But yeah, so, but he doesn't really have like a ton of other, like, like his, his catalog is actually like relatively small for somebody who's been at it for, for as, long as, as long as he has. And as somebody who, who has the name that he has, I mean, right. his name does carry some cachet yeah. out there for sure.
0: Yeah, I think Seconds was the the last thing he released after Scott Pilgrim, the graphic novel Seconds,
2: which I enjoyed. I read that too.
0: Yeah, where he where he he was
1: he was writer and artist on that. uh, But he's he's writer on Snot Girl, but he doesn't do the art, right? Right. Okay. Snot Girl, I have not read, but Seconds I have read. I like Seconds a lot.
2: Yeah, Seconds a lot, a whole lot
1: actually. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's great book. Um, Okay, so with that in mind, though. Let's close out by uh, by do we each have another like indie comic book that we think would make a really good movie that we want to see made? I have one
0: like something that flies under the radar that audiences oh, yeah. would appreciate. Yeah, I have one. It's, it's, it's glaring. It's
2: why not produce seconds? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, there you go. Yeah, I'm, yeah.
2: I'm,
1: I'm so happy you said that. One. Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> that, that would be the one you push out. That, that to me, that works as a sequel and will work to see what his other work can be developed into.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit more of a drama. Oh, definitely. more. I of think well. from, from what I'm remembering, like it's that it's not as bombastic and, and, and big, right. You know, yeah. it's, it's a, you know, it's a little bit more of a, of a uniform tone. Yes,
2: right. Very but, self-contained.
1: Yeah. But it's still great. It's, I mean, it's a big book. I remember and that was another <laughs> one. I think I read in like yes. a day. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I love seconds. I second that one. No pun <laughs> <I'm> Sorry. <laughs> there you go.
4: Jeez, jeez. <laughs> Frank, you got one. I do have one. I was thinking about this. So I was trying to figure out an indie book, and I thought I, you know, I know they were they've done some small stuff with it, but I don't think they've done anything really like on a grand scale. And I think they definitely could. I'd love to see Black Sad. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Adapted. I'd love to see in some long term, long form. You know, whether they start with the first one or do a couple shorts put together in one. Longer movie, I think if, you know, a major studio got behind it animation-wise, I think it'd be, you know, if it's done in the style of the book, it'd be gorgeous, you know, really, really lush, uh, uh, a lushly animated, you know, movie. If you're unfamiliar with Black the story of, it's basically noir done with, with animals, anthropomorphic story. It's really, really good stuff, but I, that's the one I would like to see.
0: It's uh Italian book, right? I thought it's was French. Uh, or French. Was, I can't remember. It's a European no, Import. <laughs> yeah. I do know yeah. that. I was gonna say. I think. I believe it's Spanish. Spanish. But okay. Sure. <laughs> it's Juan Diaz Canales, uh, yes. writer, and uh, Juanjo garnito I think Juan garnito uh, on art, yeah. and the art is is beautiful. Like yeah. it's it's really painted, nice rendered beautifully. Uh, it's yeah. definitely That's good my- stuff. So if anyone's not familiar with it, go look at some of this stuff because it's great.
1: Yeah. I picture like like old school. Traditional animated like Disney, yeah, oh, absolutely. Disney. The look of it too, like you know, you may you may have to get some of those guys out of retirement if they're not working. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah.
2: But it's by French publisher Dargaud. Okay, though so okay. both authors are Spanish. Their main target audience for Blackside is the French market. Uh, That's okay. why. That's why. And so the volumes okay. are published first in French, then the spat then month one month later comes a Spanish edition. Then you know, gotcha. And then eventually
0: America- we get them. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: But I believe there's, there's four volumes so far. Dark Horse for a while had the, the uh, had the license here. Right. Definitely worth checking out. Really, really great stuff.
2: Yeah, I believe what the names of those were somewhere within the shadows. The one I read is Amarillo, A Silent Hell, Red Soul, and mm-hmm. something else I can't think of. But no, it even dropped a video game for it too on the Switch. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: I haven't checked that out. I'll definitely check that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Alright,
1: Calypher, what's yours?
0: For my pick, I'm jumping in the Wayback Machine. Oh, boy. And going not too far back to the 90s. Oh, okay. And I'm going to say they finally need to make something based on Scud, the Disposable Assassin. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, nice.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Which uh, ran. It's an indie comic published under the imprint Fireman Press, Mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, written and drawn by Rob Schrab and Dan Harmon. (laughs)
1: oh really i didn't know that
0: yeah and uh, it ran from uh 1994 to 1998 and then was finally completed in 2008 because there were a couple issues that were never published to to -hmm. close it out and then they put out a big collection of all of them the entire run of the series from image comics in 2008 and in that included uh some of the lost issues that had never run And it had been an option. Well, first of all, I'll describe what it is. The premise of it is that it takes place in a a future world where you can get a robot assassin out of a vending machine and just assign it somebody to kill. And then once it goes and and kills its target, then it it self-destructs because its job is done. And we follow Scud, which is one of these robots, uh, assassins out of a vending machine, who, before he terminates his target sees his self-destruct warning on his back and realizes that if he kills this person, then he will die himself. And so he <laughs> maims his target and then just keeps him <laughs> on life support. Just so he won't die. But right. then has to take other assassin jobs to pay for the life support to keep his first target alive but incapacitated. It's <laughs> awesome. And that's the premise of it. Yeah. It's it's a very over the top like cartoonish book, but like tons of, of fun action scenes. Uh, very funny. It was also published initially, originally black and white.
1: It, it had like a very MTV liquid television feel to it for for like, that's what that's always, that's the, that's the parallel I always drew, drew to it in my head. Like I, I, for some reason I always associated that and like the visual style of like Ian flux (laughs) for some reason, even though they have like nothing
0: to do with each other. Right. Right. it's not as melancholy as Flux, but it's a little no, more. It's a little God. more spastic. What is though, really? <laughs> <laughs> but it was optioned uh, early on when when Rob Shrab and Dan Harmon, I guess, went out to Hollywood. It was optioned, and then just nothing ever happened once the product, once it was picked up, and then the rights have since reverted back to Rob Shrab, and he's been working, you know, in Hollywood. He's was involved in the Sarah Silverman show as a writer, but then he was also a producer on community. Right. And, um, monster house, the animated movie was one of the first scripts he sold when he went to Hollywood and which is also very good. But, uh, once the rights reverted back to him, he has said that he was not going to sell them out again. He's hoping to hold on to it to where he could make the movie himself someday. Uh, okay. So, Hopefully he does. Hopefully he does get that chance and we do get to see it. Cause I think it'd be a very fun movie to watch. Reminds
1: me of earthworm Jim for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Okay. So mine, I'm going to pick, we almost got this one too. Um, for, for a little while. Actually, I'm really happy you said seconds, Tommy, cause that was also on my list. I almost said that one. Okay. But now uh, I get to go to my second choice, which is mouse guard. Right, Mouse Guard is uh, for for those who don't almost know. Almost happened,
2: almost happened. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's basically like a fantasy ep- epic. It, you know, is that's about these little, uh, little mice, <laughs> basically, and little it is, medieval
0: mice. Yeah, it
1: is. It is great. It is a beautiful looking book. It is the the art is absolutely gorgeous. It's uh, uh written and drawn by a creator named David Peterson and everything. Um, so you know he. The book is still in, in print. It's still coming out. It's coming out a little slowly at times. Uh, it does appear to be a book that takes a long time to 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 work, but they also have like Legends of Mouse Guard too, which is the, the book has gotten popular enough that like other creators are jumping on board to do like short stories set in the world. Uh and I think there's just like role playing games that you can get like off of um off of David Peterson's site and everything like that. Um it's a wonderful book. I love it. absolutely love it. So yeah, I would, uh, and you know, like I said, we almost got it. Um, hopefully we will get it down the line. Uh, but that's my pick. So, all right. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week.